0: Now, we're turning in God's Word tonight to the New Testament, the Gospel of John, and chapter 12. I'd like to say a word of thanks to Mr. Brown for his words of welcome, and it is a joy to be here this evening. Sometimes Monday nights, whether it's a harvest or anything else, uh, it's sometimes... Difficult to know who'll be in, what will be in, but we're delighted to see you, and trust the Lord will bless us around His Word. We're reading from John chapter twelve, commencing at the verse twenty. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, who was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew, and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die... It bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hath his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honour. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Amen. We'll end our reading there. God, again, will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. Can we just bow and ask for the Lord's help? Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks again this evening that we can assemble ourselves in this manner and around the open Scriptures. And we thank you, Lord, that we have thy word in our hands tonight. We rejoice that many of us can testify— that we had it in our hearts, even from early years. But we pray, Lord, that you'll make that Word to live again in our soul. And as we meditate upon thy Word, we earnestly pray that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher, applying the things of God effectually to our lives. Grant this night that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight that your name might be glorified, that our hearts might be blessed. For we ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. Want to leave a thought with you on the words that are recorded in verse 24 of that reading. Where the Lord Jesus Christ said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So, our theme tonight is a corn of wheat. You will understand that the words are said in the context of the Feast of the Passover— when a great multitude of people had converged in the city of Jerusalem for that great occasion. Amongst that vast crowd of people, there were a number of Greeks, and their desire was that they would see or meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. They went and expressed their desire to Philip who then also informed Andrew. And both Andrew and Philip came and told the Savior. Then the Lord Jesus Christ went on to explain to them the need and the nature of his death and of the new life that would follow as a result. He turns to nature itself, and he explains the law of life through death. He uses the illustration of the corn of wheat to explain very, very clearly the way of salvation. Of course, a single grain of wheat has within itself a germ of life which has the capacity of producing a very, very bountiful harvest. However, that little seed cannot increase, it cannot multiply, while it lies in some farmer's barn. One single grain maybe even difficult to see in the palm of your hand looks somewhat insignificant. It has a tremendous potential to be incredibly productive. However, without first falling into the ground and dying, it will not bring forth fruit. The Lord Jesus Christ is emphasizing here that he was the heavenly example of a symbol, corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying in order to bring forth a great spiritual harvest, the harvest of men and women's soul, to bruise the head of the serpent, the seed of the woman of which we read in Genesis 3.15, must of necessity die. There was no other way, of course, that a God of love could redeem this world, but through the death and bloodshedding of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. For in him, as we read in John 5 and 26 for as the father hath life in himself, so were they given to the Son to have life in himself, having died on the cross, being buried, that single seed of Christ rose again, bringing many sons to glory, producing the rich harvest in the salvation of many lives. The corn of wheat falling into the ground, of course, speaks to us regarding the death of Christ. It speaks to us of the necessity of Christ's death, Because in verse 24 it says, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. And without the Lord Jesus Christ going out to Calvary's cross, laying down his life, shedding his precious blood, there could and would be no spiritual life, no salvation, and absolutely no hope of heaven. They put it into the words of the hymn writer. There was no other way a God of love could find, to reconcile the world and save a lost mankind. It took the death of his own Son upon the tree. There was no other way but Calvary. So, the Lord Jesus Christ, he himself is that corn of wheat. And thinking about the necessity of his death— That corn of wheat reminds us of certain things. It speaks to us, first of all, of the condescending steps of Christ, a single corn of grain. Why? It looks so insignificant. When the Lord Jesus Christ came down to this sinful world of ours as that corn of wheat, he left the joy of heaven. He left the adoration of the angels. He left the beauty and the peace of eternal glory, and he became the man of sorrows and the one acquainted with grief. Speaking of the condescending steps of Christ, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Galatians chapter 2 and verses 6, 7, and 8 says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." When we go to that wonderful chapter in Isaiah 53, which no doubt speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, though written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, that corn of wheat, was that tender plant, that root out of a dry ground. There was nothing but contempt shown for his person. He was born of insignificant and a despised family. He grew up in an insignificant family an unimportant little place called Nazareth, of which Nathaniel said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? A despised family, out of which, like a dry land or desert ground, nothing green or nothing great was ever expected to come. Born of a virgin, in a stable in Bethlehem, And because of the low opinion that men had of him, there was no beauty. There was nothing outwardly attractive in him that would cause them to desire him, with the result that he was despised and rejected of men. When the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. In his second letter, in the chapter 8 and the verse 9, he says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. But it not only suggests the condescending steps of Christ, but also the cross work of Christ. You see, that corn of wheat, reminding us not only of the humility and the lowliness of the Lord Jesus Christ, also speaks of his work upon the cross for the corn of wheat, why it must die. And that, of course, was Christ's purpose in coming into this world— he didn't come to set a good example, though he did that. He came into this world for this purpose, to give his life a ransom and to die the just for the unjust. Or as Matthew in his gospel, chapter 20, in the verse 28, puts it, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many." So, the seed of the woman would indeed bruise the head of the serpent. When we think of the preaching of the Apostle Peter, now, there's many people, if you said to them, what do you know about the Apostle Peter? Why, they would say, oh, isn't that the man that failed the Lord and denied he ever knew him? And that really did happen. But, folks, you want to meet the real Peter, we need to go to Pentecost and see him standing up there with boldness, proclaiming the unsearchable riches of God's grace. In the next chapter 2, in the verse 23, the apostle preacher, uh, Peter, standing up preaching there, said to those who were gathered that Christ was delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. He was the lamb slayer, of course, from the foundation of the world. As we said, he came for this purpose, to live a sinless life, to go out to the cross and shed his blood, the corn of wheat falling into the ground. He came to die, the just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty, the pure for the impure, the righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. We read in that chapter, in the verse 32, where he says, "'And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me.' And Jesus Christ was indeed lifted up on Calvary's cross, the only Saviour of sinners." The writer to the book of in the book of Hebrews in the chapter two and the verse nine says But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And again, in John's Gospel, chapter 10 and 17, he says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. The Bible reminds us, without the shedding of blood is no remission. And so, there was a necessity of the corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying, there was the absolute necessity of the Lord Jesus Christ going out to Calvary's cross, the sinner's substitute, and the sinner's sacrifice. But it not only reminds us of the necessity of Christ's death, the corn of wheat falling into the ground, but also the nature of Christ's death. That Corn of wheat must die. But how did Christ die? Little wonder we read, What is it to you that pass by? Behold and see, is there any sorrow like unto my sorrow? friend, what is it to you tonight that that corn of wheat fell into the ground and died? What is it to you that Christ died? And when we consider the nature of Christ's death, we have to realize the importance of our life. Because it was for you— and it was for me he died. His death, of course, was a voluntary death. The Bible tells us in John 10 and the 17 that we've already quoted there, "'Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again.' And, of course, We have the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's marched up through the narrow streets of Jerusalem's old city. He's brought into Pilate's Judgment Hall. And, of course, all the shame that could be poured upon him was poured upon him. They stripped away his raiment, and then they give him a purple robe. In other words, you're a king. Let's give you a purple robe, because kings wear purple robes. And then they planted a crown of thorns, and they put it upon his brow in mockery of coronation. Why? Kings wear crowns, and they planted a crown of thorns. But you know, the thorn was a symbol of the curse. When God spoke this world into existence and started its beginning and created everything, it was good. It was perfect there wasn't a thorn, there wasn't a thistle. But then man sinned, and God, addressing man because of his sin, said, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shall thou eat upon all the days of thy life. Thorns. There's the introduction of the thorn. It was never part of God's original creation. Thorns also and thistle shall it bring forth to thee. And though this awful shame was poured upon the Son of God, Pilate said something to Christ that day. He said in John 19 and verse 10, I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee. And Jesus said, You could have no power over me at all except it were given thee from above. He said of his own life, No man taketh it from me. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And that's exactly what Jesus did at Calvary. He laid down his life, and on the third day he marched out of the grave, and the power and majesty of his own resurrection, he took it again. Don't we read in The most familiar text in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And God gave his Son to be our Savior, and Christ willingly laid down his life. Because Paul... Writing to the church at Rome said in chapter 5 and the verse 8, But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made himself to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, when Christ was on the cross, of course, his enemies, they said— If thou be the Christ. Well, come down from the cross. And we have, in Matthew 26, in verse 53, what Jesus said, Thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me, more than twelve legions of angels. But no, folks, he wasn't coming down from the cross. The corn of wheat would fall into the ground and would die, and that was a voluntary act by the Lord Jesus Christ. What he said in that great chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth, his life for the sheep. Do you see the value of your immortal soul? While many people very cheaply sell it to hell for a moment's pleasure in sin, Christ valued your soul at such an immense price. He laid down his life for you voluntarily. But it was not only a voluntary death— it was a vicious death. And this side of eternity, we'll never really understand how vicious the death of Christ was. Listen folks, there never was a birth, like the birth of Christ, miraculously, virgin-born. There never was a life like the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could stand before the hostile leaders of his day and say, which of you can convince me of sin? And there wasn't one of them could open their mouth in honest condemnation of Christ because every charge that was laid against Christ was a false charge. Pilate acknowledged that. He said that he knew for envy they had delivered him. And he came out before them and he said, I find in this man no fault at all. And even one of the malefactors who was crucified with Christ said, This man referring to Christ, had done nothing amiss. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, but he died a vicious death. Peter, again at Pentecost, to those who were assembled and listening to him, he said to them, Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, and went on to say in the following chapter, chapter 3 of the book of Acts, that ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and ye killed the Prince of Life. Though Christ was born to die, For that purpose came he into the world that did not rule out man's sinful involvement and the awful crimes that were committed that day and the guilt that was theirs because of it. We must remember, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. And oh, how Christ was wounded! He says, They pierced my hands and my feet. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, wounded for me. There on the cross, he was wounded for me. Psalm 22, that messianic psalm. I believe goes far beyond any experience that the psalmist ever had, and no doubt points to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot's hair, My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. We see man's inhumanity to man as they cruelly, brutally try to torture the Lord Jesus Christ, smiting him on the fierce, spitting into that sinless brow. But then there's something we don't see. because God threw a cloud of darkness over the world. And we can see man's inhumanity because crucifixion was the most severe means of capital punishment. And while there were two others crucified with Christ that day, they never suffered as Jesus suffered. They may have suffered the pangs and the pains of crucifixion, as the Lord Jesus Christ and they did, but then God, he lifted his rod of divine wrath, laid it upon the back of his Son, and punished my sins in him. Wounded, bruised, oppressed, afflicted, Him says, Hark! I hear the dull blow of a hammer swung low. They are kneeling, my Lord, to the tree. And we can, almost in our mind's eye, see that mob that day as they gang up and bay for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, spitting upon him, smiting his face, cruelly mocking the Son of God. We can hear the roar of that crowd as they push forward to claim the attention and influence the decision of Pilate, crying, Crucify him! And none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed but oh, how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found the sheep that was lost? Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers, they strongly plead for me. Forgive him all, oh, forgive, he cries. Let not that ransomed sinner die. But you know, it was a victorious death. The corn of wheat had fallen into the ground and died. And there on Calvary's cross, Jesus cries out, Finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, It is finished. The corn of wheat had fallen into the ground. Christ would die. Our redemption was purchased. Heaven was opened to our soul. There was now a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. A door had been opened and we could go in. At Calvary's cross. It's where we begin when we come as sinners to Jesus. Oh, the nature of Christ's death. Who can understand it? the necessity of Christ's death, the corn of wheat must die. But let me, because time is gone, just leave a thought with you on the new life from Christ's death. If it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So, there is the certainty of harvest. You see, the fruit of Christ's death, the corn of wheat falling into the ground. Why? It is the salvation of people like you and me. The fruit of Christ's death, the bringing of many sons to glory. Again, going back to Hebrews chapter 2. in the verses 9 and 10, we read... But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angel for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man, for it became him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory. The certainty of the harvest. If the corn of wheat die. It will bring forth fruit. Christ died. And oh, what fruit has resulted from that. Because you've not only the certainty of harvest, but the size of harvest. And what a mighty harvest! From a single insignificant little corn of wheat falling into the ground and dying. And what a mighty harvest because of Christ's death on the cross. What a spiritual harvest. And the Bible tells us about the size of that harvest. And I trust you're part of it. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, And I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number—can't you see the size of the harvest?—of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hand, a great multitude from every nation. Again, look, in his gospel, says in chapter 13 and the verse 29, And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Why? Christ's death produced a worldwide harvest. But are you part of that Harvest? Oh, you see, the corn of wheat, who is Christ, didn't abide alone. He died. And what a harvest. And Christ's death on the cross, to this very moment now, is still producing fruit unto salvation. But, friend, what about you personally? That corn of wheat, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for you. Had you been the only person ever born in the history of humanity, Jesus would have died for you. But what have you done with him? Friend, are you saved tonight? Are you part of this great harvest of his? The hymn writer says, For you he died. For you he lives. An everlasting light and life he freely gives. And because Christ died for you, listen, friend, you may have walked into this meeting in your sin without the Savior. And you can walk out of this meeting saved by God's grace and sure of heaven. That's not presumptuous talk. for the Bible says these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. What is it to you that Christ died on the cross for you. Can I encourage you, therefore, to come to Christ, be saved, be saved for all eternity, walk away with the assurance in your heart that your sins are forgiven. They're in the sea of God's forgetfulness, never again to be remembered against you, taken from you as far as the east is from the west, gathered in to God's harvest born. Friend, trust Christ and do it tonight. Do it now. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who came, who went out to the cross, who died and rose again, we thank you for the great harvest of souls, billions of people throughout this world, saved by grace alone. And yet, Lord, it could be there's someone here, and they're not saved. Draw them, we pray, and that irresistibly by your spirit, and save them by your grace, while well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.